0: This is the Houston Coaches Podcast, where we honor the legacy of Houston area football and promote growth within the coaching profession through conversations with the greatest Houston area coaches of the past, present, and future. Brought to you by the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Welcome back to the Houston Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Andres Gomez, and our guest today on the show is uh, the man who began the proud football tradition at Cy Ridge High School, Coach Gary Thebod. Thanks for joining us today, Coach. It's a pleasure to have you on. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity. always love talking to coaches and talking football. Yes, sir. And as, as I shared with you before, you know the purpose of our podcast is to have a medium in which we can share the wisdom and experiences of coaches like yourself to help guide those of us who are now charged with leading programs of our own. And who have to navigate the rapidly changing landscape of high school football today, uh, as well as the future campus and district leaders who, many, who may be in the early stages of their journey. Uh, so first off, Coach, if you don't mind, please share, give us a rundown of your playing and coaching career. Well, I was uh,
1: you know, four-sport letterman in high school, and uh, I went to college and played football and in 1976, I graduated and, and came to Dallas and uh, got kind of a part-time job at Highland Park Middle School. And then that next, that summer, I went to coaching school in Dallas and, and uh, took a job at Dulles High School back when it was just Dulles and it took off from there. So uh, where, where did you go to high school? Uh, Pleasantville, New York, a little bitty town, um, outside of New York city, about two hours. We had a high school, about 350 kids and, and, uh, I moved a lot as a kid growing up. I was born in Florida and down the Everglades and <clears throat> moved about 13 times. My dad was in, the uh, in sales and, uh, so we moved a lot and, um, uh, when they got transferred to Dallas, I was a sophomore in college at Ashland University in Ashland, Ohio. And uh, so I came to Dallas. I had a younger brother that was playing football at Richardson High School. And I got to know Winston Duke, the head coach there. And, and uh, you know, he talked to me about coaching school. And, and as I said, I worked over at Highland Park Middle School with Kellis White for a football season and then went to coaching school.
0: And then, then the, the the big part of the journey began there, huh? Uh, yeah, it did. It, um,
1: you know, I was uh, ambitious. I knew I wanted to be a head coach one day, and and I, I you know, I wanted to take the steps necessary to, uh, you know, give me that opportunity. Mm-hmm.
0: And now, did, did you did you when when what year did you become a head coach? Um.
1: 1987 I was uh 33 years old got my first head coaching job at Lindale High School out in East Texas and uh had been involved in some really great programs as an assistant coach and worked for some great men um Neil Quillen at Willow Ridge and Buzzy Keith at El Campo and you know Jackie Edwards in the Dallas area and uh but I got my first head coaching job and went out there. I was there for two years. I realized I knew a lot about coaching football, but not a lot about working with a superintendent. And so I had to reset myself a little bit. And
0: yeah, well, that, that, was, that was that was going to be my next question. You know, if you felt like you were ready uh, to be in that role, and 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 then when what what do you wish you would have known before you started uh, in in that position? You know, I, I think
1: like a lot of young coaches, you know, we're, we're kind of narrow-minded. We're focused on football and our sport. And, and I was focused on an athletic department as a whole, because in a three a level and we were the largest three a in the state at that time. Um, but we had multiple sport kids, which I was a multiple sport kid. So I was all for that. Um, just the, the things that the uh, at that time were, You know, my relationship with the superintendent, the first year went good, but after that, it just soured. And um, so I I think, you know, getting getting your first head coaching job, um, having the understanding that you're in a different role now than just a football coach only, you know, you're an administrator and you're working with administration and you have to have more of an open eye to the administrative side of things. And uh, you know you're not always going to get things done your way, and and uh, even though you think it's best for your program, sometimes it's not going to happen. So those are things that you learn as you gain experience and as you as you move
0: forwards. Mm-hmm. Yep, you, you you kind of figure out that you know the, the things you want to get done aren't aren't just your decision. You know, there's so many so many different hands and different opinions that go into everything that we do, and and so you know sometimes like you said, you're not always going to get Exactly what you want because there's other people that have different opinions that, than than what you might have as to what's best for the whole school or the district or the or the or the entire community. Yeah,
1: I think I think you know first time head coaches need to have some experience with administration. Um, I didn't have any of that. I was always the guy that you know was in the weight room with the kids. I was a defensive coordinator, so I focused with defense. I, I never was involved with booster clubs. I never had to go sit with a principal or a superintendent, you know, I was never really associated with administration. So uh, other than, you know, an attaboy after we went a ball game coming out of the stadium, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think it's important as a young coach that you, you look for opportunities to where you can work alongside administration so you can see um, what they're going through. And so you can see what what you know their objectives are and how can you you know bridge and the administrative objectives together and and that's definitely possible to do and and you know sometimes we bump our heads against the wall and we learn a hard lesson and then we grow from that which I did and um, so I, I would encourage young coaches you know to um, work with booster clubs and work alongside
0: administration before they get a head coaching job. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's a, it's a great point. I was, I was fortunate that I, I was able to do that when I was an assistant head coach at client game and uh, coach Clancy that was there. He, he, he made it a point to involve me. He knew, he knew what my aspirations were. He made it a point, you know, he'd, he'd tell me, Hey, come, come sit down on this parent meeting or come, come talk mm-hmm. to this person with me. Uh, he, he did a great job of, of kind of showing me that before I had to be in that position. And mm-hmm. you know, it, it definitely helped uh, when, when I, when I finally transitioned to be a head coach of my own program. Right. Uh, now uh, tell us a little bit about uh, opening a brand new high school because you, you were the head coach at Cy Ridge uh, when, when that school opened, tell us about right. that experience and kind of what the highlights of that process
1: you know, that it's an amazing experience when you get to open a program for the first time and it's all new. And, you know, I didn't think I was going to get that job. I was at Langham Creek as a defensive coordinator and, and, you know, we had some really good years and good runs. I was there about eight or nine years working for Dennis Damel, a great man and great football coach. And, uh, um, cypress ridge was going to open up and and so the the ad got in touch with me said are you going to apply for this job and i said well we're playing a season right now and i don't apply for a job while i'm still coaching kids so and i think we may have a chance to play for a state championship and he said well then you won't get an interview i said okay i you know i love langham creek high school and working for dennis i'm good so anyways long you know we go through the season and we are doing well and uh you know, we get into the playoffs and we play uh, a Klein force team coached by Gene Johnson, mm, yep. and uh, <laughs> we get we get beat thirteen to twelve. And we played lights out, you know, in that ball game, and and drove the length of the field at the end of the game. I mean, we're at the five yard line to kick the winning field goal with hardly any time on the clock, and I coached the kickers and. Ryan Smith was our kicker, and he was kicker of the year in Houston that year. And I told Coach Damel, I said, hey, he struggled on the right hash in pregame, so keep the ball in the middle of the field. And Dennis said, we're going to throw a fade route in the end zone. It's either going to be a touchdown or we'll kick the field goal. I said, okay. The quarterback takes a snap. He gets pressured in the middle. And he runs to his right, gets tackled on the right hash. <laughs> we, line up to, we line up to kick it, it's wide left. Just like in pregame, we get beat 13 to 12. Wow. And so anyways, I called the AD and you know, Monday I said, well, can I still interview for that job? And he said, yeah, we'll fit you in, come on. I didn't think I'd get the job because they they hired a guy named Claudio Garcia from uh, down the Corpus area, Cal Island High School. He was the principal of Cal Island. That's pretty dang good football down there. Yeah, it is. And I thought, well, he's going to bring one of those guys. So I kind of thought my interview was not going to be much. But lo and behold, I get the job. And so I I feel like God put me there. God put me at Cypress Ridge High School. And it became a really special place. And uh, going to work with uh, Claudio Garcia, the principal, and he became my best friend. I was a pallbearer at his funeral. And, um, but going to work for him and, and build that school and, and bringing that community together, just what an amazing time that was and hard work now. And, you know, there was many times that we took our plans and threw them in the trash and started over, you know, and, and, oh, and, yeah. You know, I remember sitting in a staff meeting, a football staff meeting, and we're making a list of things that we need to do. And I give it to one of my coaches and said, okay go make a copy of this. He said, coach, we don't have a copier that <laughs> put it on the list. <laughs> so you just go through stuff like that. But it's an amazing experience to open a school, start a program. And I would encourage anyone, if you get that opportunity, jump at it. Now, I'm not sure I'd tell you to do it a second
0: time, but <laughs> definitely a first time yeah that that's you know I, I was i've not been able to do that as a head coach i, I did it as an assistant you know so that Klein came mm-hmm. and, and, and that you you don't realize how much you take for granted on a day-to-day basis working at a school that and somebody that. else has done or set up for you you know i so said there's so many systems so many processes like i said copy machines things yeah. like that that you don't you don't really ever think about that's until right. you don't have them or t- until you're the one having to order them and having to get them out of the box put it in place you know we had we had to construct our entire weight room you know get get yep. every every plate out of the box and put it in, on the racks and you know all, all that stuff and, and he yeah. you know, like said it definitely makes you appreciate some of the little things that we have that we have already there we were getting all our equipment delivered and we have no
1: shelving in the equipment room <laughs> and so i go down and see mr garcia and he says well look go around tonight through the building. There's a bunch of those metal shelves sitting around, grab you what you need and put it in there. And so we did that. And that's how we got shelving for, <laughs> for our equipment room <laughs> kind of coaches on recon one night. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you just
0: all kinds of things
1: figured yeah. it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So now uh, another, another question. What, what's, what would you say is the most valuable advice that you have for a coach that's transitioning to a new role with higher expectations and more responsibilities? Like somebody who's been becoming a position coach for the first time, a coordinator, head coach. I think that, um, uh, number
1: one, you got to make sure you're ready for it. And, and to me, and what I did to get ready for that was anytime anybody offered me responsibility, I jumped at it, whether it be strength coach, Uh, head, head track coach, head baseball coach, head golf coach, whatever it was, I would jump at those responsibilities. So I think, I think you have to be well-rounded and, and have a, have a background, but I think a thing that's really important, you know, if you're an assistant coach and, and um, uh, number one is, you know, be where your feet are. That old saying is, you know, don't take a job and automatically start looking for that next jump. You know, go to work where you are and, and invest everything you have in that and be loyal to that head coach because he gave you an opportunity. Um, I think number two that's important is understand that a guy that is a head coach, he's a head coach because he's had success doing things his way. And he doesn't hire people to come in and change the whole thing he hires people to come in and help move it forwards. And, you know, I was, I always told my guys, you know, I I didn't hire you to change my philosophy of how we play football. I hired you to help me move that forwards and, and always told them, you know, I'm open to new ideas, but you got to be able to make me see it. I'm a visual guy. You know, if you can make me see it, we're going to do whatever's the best thing we can do for our kids. But if I can't see it, I'm going to rely on my experience and so I think coaches, you know, need to understand that and don't get their feelings hurt. If the head coach says, you know what, that's a good idea, but I don't think that's good for us. And we're not going that way. You know, uh, you just keep working, you know, keep working and understand who you work for and, and be the best you can be as an assistant coach. And, um, you know, I learned Claudio taught me a lesson that we're walking down the hall that first year at, at Cypress Ridge and, the first the first party bell just rang, you know, the for kids to be in class, and we're walking down the hall, and you see there's trash on the floor, and I'm talking to Claudio about something, and we're walking down the hall. Well, he bends over, starts picking up trash, and I said, "Dang, that's the principal picking up trash. I better do that." So I started picking up trash too. Well, that continued for eighteen years, every morning you know and so i think young coaches got to see things and do them without being told to do them and and uh you know you can be so valuable to a head coach when when you can do that and i think
0: that's how you create opportunities for yourself as well yeah and i think a lot of the people who who become you know, campus leaders, head coaches, principals, they, they get there because they, they never feel like there's a job that's beneath them or that, that's not that, that's not their responsibility. You know, the, the people who kind of have that mindset of, well, that's not me. That's not that's not my job. You know, they're not usually the ones that get to those leadership positions. You know, and yeah. kind yeah, of man, we have that servant we, mindset of, you know, whatever has to get done. I'm going to get it done. That's right. As we 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 had a, we have,
1: we had a, a uh, saying at Ridge, nobody's above the broom. Mm -hmm. nobody's above the broom and that that is all the way to the principal and you know he taught me that and I instilled that on my coaches and uh so that's just I think that's important as far as young coaches and wanting to move up in the profession yeah that's that's
0: great uh now what what was when you're coaching what was your favorite player scheme and what was its purpose
1: well, you know, I spent most of my career on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and as a result of that, I felt like I know a lot about offense because you study it every day. Yes. And, and so I feel like I know a lot about offense. And, and you know, when I, when I would hire an offensive coordinator, you know, um, with, through the interview process, we would talk about my vision for offense and and things that i thought were important in having successful offense and and you know i i like to run the football and i'm kind of old school in that way and so we were always going to make sure we had the ability to line up and run the football and be able to use shifts and motions and put stress on the defense because i know that gave us problems Mm -hmm. and so to me that when you talk about offense um I think the perfect formation, the, and to me, the best formation in football is, is the ace formation, two tight ends and two wide outs and one back. From a defensive standpoint, it's hard to cover all them gaps in the run game. And what you create in the passing game is one-on-one with your receivers. It's hard for the safeties to help them because they got to worry about tight ends vertical. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, and, and I watched Gene Johnson and and uh, Ed Pajoski do those things to me. <laughs> run, you know, counters by backing the tight end up and pulling guys and run counters the other way and run stretch plays. And, you know, the, the play-action passing game out of it where you're getting those safeties to bite. And as I said, it makes it really tough in both areas, run and pass. And so I, I always, you know, wanted to make sure we had a scheme in place that we could do that. Doesn't mean we built the whole offense around that, but we had that in place where we could go to that when we wanted to. And um, and we, even if that meant, you know, we had to bring some guys from the defensive side of the ball to play those tight end positions,
0: mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I, so, I- that that was that was a staple of you know Cy Ferry High School the, the two tight sets and no doubt and and they seem to always just have have a stable of of big tight end looking kids to be able yeah. to run that offense
1: yeah no doubt and and they did a fantastic job with it you know from a defensive standpoint I, you know uh, I like a four man front and play four th- a four three uh, front and coverage behind it and. Um, but I, I think the, the big thing, and I think one of the things at Cypress Ridge that we did a really good job of as a staff every winter, we had our staff meetings. We'd start the, the first uh, Monday, I believe it was, yeah, Monday in February, and we would meet at night and we would go through the playbook and we would make the playbook fit the next group of players that we had coming. Yep. And so we were able to adjust and make those changes all the way through uh, our, our winter meetings into spring ball. And then we were prepared to go when training camp started. But I think that's one thing you have to be able to do is adjust your schemes to fit the guys you have. Mm-hmm. And I know in a multiple school district, you don't always have the same kids and the same type of kids. And so we had to be really flexible there, and I thought our staff did a great job of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, now you yeah, and you had a you had a lot of success, uh, you know, especially in, in those early years there at, at Cy Ridge. Uh, so, can can you tell us who who would you say were the top three high school players that you got to see in person? Uh, you know. You
1: know. We, we played in a very competitive district. And then, you know, one year we're, we're going to region two in the playoffs. And, and uh, you know, that was unusual for our kids to get on a bus and go to Waco mm-hmm. and go to Austin. And um, I remember the first time we were headed to play um, uh, Round Rock up in Austin. Uh, the kids asked me, Coach, how are we going? Metro? <laughs> said, no, we're taking a charter bus with movies. And uh, but just opportunity to see some great talent. And, you know, if I was to kind of pick three of them, um, I think I'd start with Cy Fair, uh, that middle linebacker, Patrick Atkinson, the state championship team. What a phenomenal player he was and leader of that program. That was the best defense I think I've seen in my whole coaching career. Uh, I think that was around 2017, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then I'd have to, I'd have to put Russell Shepard in there, my quarterback, 06 through 08 or 09. Uh, and, tremendous athlete and, and tremendous person. And he still is today. And he, and, you know, he played 10 years in the NFL and he lives in the Cypress Ridge community and does a lot for him. Uh Just not just Cypress Ridge, but all of Mm Cypher. And then I think third, I'd go with Jersey Village is Selvin Young. Played back in 2000. What a phenomenal back. And uh, he, um, you know, played at Texas and played in the league for a while. But I remember I was a defense coordinator at Langan. We were talking about this sophomore running back we were going to get after when we were playing Jersey Village. And I think he had close to 200 yards on us. (laughs) the beat is pretty good and i go up after the game i said who are you he said sir i'm selvin young and i said i will never forget that name and so the next two years before the game we kind of meet at midfield and shake hands you know and we developed a relationship and uh but he just was phenomenal a phenomenal running back and um Coached by David Snuckhouse there at Jersey Village. But I think those three guys and a ton of other around
0: Houston, so loaded with talent, but those three really stuck out in my mind. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you say that about Sylvan Young because I was, I actually happened to be a freshman coach at Tomball in 05 and 06. And, you know, we were in the same district with y'all uh, one of those years. And and mm-hmm. we, we went over to your place, you know, with, with my freshman team. And, you know, your quarterback was Russell Shepard uh, on that freshman team. And I remember yeah. after the game doing the exact same thing. I, I walked, I asked the coaches, I said, who is that quarterback? I need to remember his name because he is special. And, and, mm. and I the same thing. I went and shook his hand and, and, and said, you know, great job. Because we, I think y'all beat us, you know, we we, kicked the, we we kicked the last second field goal and missed it. And, you know, I mean, it was, it was a really close game, but we, we just, we couldn't do anything against them. And I remember, you know, some of the some of the coaches, you know, after the game, saying, you know, yeah, that that there was, you know, everybody was wanting to try to get him on varsity as a freshman because he was that good, and that and you kept saying, you know, no, we're gonna we're gonna leave, let him let him play here, let him learn, and, and then yeah. you know, and he can get, go on varsity as a sophomore. But you know, so I had the exact same experience of just like wanting to know the kid's name because I you could tell that he was gonna yeah. be a phenomenal player.
1: Yeah, he's a great man. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And uh, now my, my final question and this is something I like to ask all of the coaches is, uh, you know, how, how would you explain Houston area football and its legacy to someone who has never been here or, or has never been around it?
1: You know, I've coached in the Dallas area and I coached in East Texas, Central Texas and coached in Houston. I started my career in Houston and then I, I went North and actually I went further South to El Campo, then back North. I, Spent a year at SMU and bounced around, and and um, the the thing that that always came back to me is how different the coaches are in the Houston area versus the Dallas area, and and in that we get along down here. You know, you can try and beat somebody's butt on Friday night, and the two families are going out to eat on Saturday. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's Uh it's it's amazing because it's not that way in Dallas. They hate each other in
0: Dallas.
1: (laughs) And uh, but down here in the Houston area, there's a lot of camaraderie. You go to you know, you go to events. The Greater Houston Coach Association puts on events and you go and, you know, you, you get a chance to talk to guys and and get to know guys off the field and develop some friendships. And like I said, Friday night now, there are no friends. But after that. You know, after that, you get along and you can have clinics and share. And yeah, I remember when I was at Langham, I would hold defensive clinics and I would invite like 10 or 12 guys from around the Houston area to come in and speak at my defensive clinic at Langham. And what I did was I had different, different, uh, things to talk about on a little piece of paper in a basket. And they didn't know what they were going to talk about. They just drew it out of the basket so they had to do it on the spot and uh and i'd feed them fajitas and all that but we had a great time of sharing knowledge and ideas and how to do things and and i think that's great about the coaching profession because coaches are willing to share you know the you you speak at a, at a greater houston coaches clinic and you know your opponents are out there listening to you Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're always trying to promote the game of football. And I think that's one of the great things of the coaches association is how they promote the game of football. And that's why it is where it is today. And I think Houston football um, is as good as it gets. And, and you can say, well, the Dallas area has won more state championships. Well, that may be true. But I guarantee you there's not the camaraderie and the willingness to work together for the sake of football in Dallas as there is in Houston.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. that that's, that's phenomenal. I and mean, I think we need to, we need to figure out a way to start those, those clinics again. I love the the grab bag, you know, <laughs> topic yeah. and yeah. Uh, kind of putting somebody on the spot. I think that that's, I, I love it. I want to, I want to try to figure out a way to get that, get that going again. I, I'd, I'd love to take part in that.
1: That was a fun time. And we did it, like I said, when I was at Langham Creek and, and then when I got to Cypress Ridge, we were basically, you know, because we were building a whole new program. And, and, and so we would basically do uh, you know, our own in-staff stuff and, and trying to grow ourselves as coaches in our, in our program. But, uh, you know, I think that, you know, hiring a staff is critical. And, you know, fortunately, I, I've had some great guys that worked with me at Ridge. And that's why we had the success we had. And, uh, and, and several of them went on to become head coaches and, and, uh, but when you hire a staff, you know, you got to let them coach and you got to let them, you know, do their thing. And obviously, you know, as I said before, if you can make me see it, I'm all for it. But if I can't see it, I'm going to rely on my experiences. And fortunately, Mm -hmm. you know, we, when you hire people, you hire people that, you know, believe in the things you believe in. And and so you you can um, not have as difficult situations as you might have when you walk in and you inherit, inherit a staff. Yeah. You know, kids will change.
0: Grown men have a hard time changing. Mm-hmm. And that's
1: something that as a head coach, you got to be able to work out. Yeah.
0: I always tell my coaches, you know, that we're going to have the same vision. We're going to have the same, you know, stick stick to the plan. But the the day to day things, I want their personality to show to show mm-hmm. up and shine. You know, I I don't want them to be robots just doing you know the tasks that they're asked to do. I want I want them to put their own spin on things, put their own personality mm-hmm. on things, as long as it lines up with with our overall goals and uh, mm-hmm. and, and and vision. Then that's you know that, that that's how you you create. You know, that's how people have job satisfaction you know if you're just yeah. doing something the way somebody else wants to do it and you just said so just like you might as well put a robot there to yeah. do the job because it's not not going to be very very meaningful
1: yeah well i was
0: fortunate you know when i as an assistant coach i
1: worked for some really good men that turned me loose and let me make mistakes and let yeah. me learn from my mistakes and um you know uh, you get tagged you're the defensive coordinator i didn't have anybody telling me what we're running how we're going to call it any of that business and and um you know when i uh you know got to cypress ridge i hired a defensive coordinator i still coached the linebackers because i I didn't want to be a stand around coach Mm -hmm. you know and just manage the segment clock or something i i still coached the linebackers and 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 loved doing that and Fortunately, my defensive coordinators were, were able to work with me, you know, on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange dynamic. As, you know, as a head coach, sometimes you put yourself in, you know, you're you're their superior and their subordinate at the same time because you put yourself as one of the position coaches and say, that's right. you're doing this you know, program-wide the way that I want it done, but I'll do, you know, the defensive stuff the way you want it done because that's yeah. you know, your defense and yeah, it's it's a it's a fun dynamic to be in. Yeah, it is. So, uh, well, good, Coach. Uh, I want to thank you very much for for joining us today and sharing your thoughts with our audience. You know, we always always appreciate the insight that, that you can provide from the vantage point of having already faced some of the challenges that we're facing now. It helps us to continue to to lead young men and women through the power of positive coaching. Uh, if if any of our listeners have a recommendation for a guest to have on our future episode, please send it to our email, Houston coaches, pod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter coaches, Houston, and send us your suggestions there. Coach t I want to thank you again for for your time and and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Well, thank you
1: for what you all do for coaches in the city of Houston and, and for the football players
0: in Houston. I really appreciate that. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Houston Coaches Podcast, presented by the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Our theme song is In the Battle of Good and Evil by Ryan Davis, a former high school football coach. Please subscribe to our show and leave us a review so we can continue to spread our message to a larger audience. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation about Houston area football and its impact on all those privileged to be a part of it.